Wow, do you sense God's presence? I mean, I don't want that to be an unfamiliar term, but um, sometimes for some, sensing God's presence is you just feel something. Uh, but I really sense him in this place this morning. And it's not all the time. I know it's not about feelings. But I, I promise you, I want you to, to know that God cares about you, and he's speaking this morning. Amen? Over the last several weeks, I'm, I'm going to try my best this morning to wrap up this series that we've been in. <clears throat> Confession, with us being scattered, and I know there are those that are watching online and streaming, and we're so blessed. If you're watching, um, stick with us for about 30 more minutes. But the reality is, when you feel this disconnected, sometimes you don't know if it's connecting. Does that make sense? Um, I just want to encourage you. These, these messages are online. If, if you have a question, call me. But I, I need you to digest what we've been talking about. How many of you know what I mean? You can be in church your whole life, and you've experienced a lot of great things in church, but things really haven't got digested. They may get experienced, but not chewed on. Um, I'm hoping you'll chew on, not chew out, but chew on God's Word and, and get into you. Uh, what we've been talking about is where we're going, guys. Okay? So now what have we been talking about? Uh, over the last several weeks, it's, it's been continuing on 2020 vision. I told Pastor Nick this last week, <clears throat> I, we've got to make a little fun video because that's how we started the year. 2020 vision for the rest of your life. Pandemic. And so even picking up on that um, after and as we are now walking through all these different changes in life that we're experiencing, I still think it's important for us to have a vision of what God is doing in our lives that is for the rest of your life. It's eternal. And we talked about, though, being this, and it's, it's the mission of our church that every generation, if we can get that up there, that every generation, if we can get that up there, <clears throat> Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their life. Transformation, not just from our agendas, but God. His, so what does that transformation look like? And we've been talking about this over the last weeks. It's when a person is saved, healed, <clears throat> set free, becomes a follower of Christ by discipled, being discipled, becoming a disciple. And listen, I don't want to overwhelm you with that word. We've heard it most of our lives. It just means somebody who's following Jesus. Can I be blunt? You're not a disciple if you're not following Jesus. You are a disciple you're following something. But followers of Jesus are what we're talking about. That's not condemnation. That's not guilt. That's just a challenge. We're following, right? So part of that transformation is that he equips us. We talked about last week being empowered. We've also talked about the fact that these are not in a specific order, not all of them, but can you imagine trying to be saved and somehow be empowered without being healed and set free? Now, please, that doesn't mean that we've still got stuff we're wrestling with. What it means is God's doing a work in you all the time. God's doing you all the time. So here's what we're talking about today, what it means to serve. <clears throat> now, let me just back up 30 seconds. Starting next Sunday, we're starting a, a brand new series. 
Uh, and you say, well, Pastor, you just told us to try to digest this one. Believe me, I've got these in ways you will never know. I'm, I'm wanting you to hear things on a regular basis that are just going to be driving the Word of God home. Um, <clears throat> I'm going I'm to get off task just for a second. And, and this is really for our folks that are watching too. Have you ever heard the phrase that you're talking about a family or a friend and they fell through the cracks? Um, something I've been really convicted about. Pastor Nick and I were talking about this last week. Um, we're going to get so honed in on what following Christ is and making sure and holding each other accountable that we're doing it. And I don't mean mean way, but if somebody falls through the cracks, they're going to have splinters everywhere. Because there's no way you're going to fall through the cracks here at Grace River without hearing the word and without being, and without being challenged and without growing. That, that's part of being a disciple. And if, if people do fall through the cracks... It's not, it's not going to be because we let them. Does that make sense? I know that's not the traditional meaning of falling back. But, um, and we don't want to give anybody splinters on purpose. Can I get an amen? I think he wants to hurt people. It's not about that. I want to make sure people are hearing the word and living it out. Amen? Would you agree that in a culture that that's being screened for? That, that the culture we live in, they, um, most of culture is looking for the answer or afraid to stand up for it. And so I, I think it's just time for us to start saying, you know what, this is the way walking, and let's walk together. So that's what we've been doing this. But starting next Sunday, powerful story in Genesis of a, a man called Joseph. And so we're going to series on the life of Joseph and the little tagline is simply this. What will they say about you? We're going to life of Joseph, but from the standpoint of when it's all said and done, what will they say about you? What will your life look like? What will your decisions um, culminate in? So now, that being said, I want us to just jump into what it means for us to serve. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read there in just a moment. <clears throat> But we've talked about, again, the last several weeks, being saved, being healed, set free, being a disciple, following after Jesus Christ, being equipped, being empowered. Now, that all happens, it's very purposeful, so serve. When we, when we use the word serve in a church context, what do we typically think? I know these are rhetorical questions, but small enough, it's all, it feels like a class, doesn't it? When we talk about serve in church, we, we typically talk about things like ushers, greeters, praise team. Last week we had a powerful time of fellowship in the picnic and somebody had to cook the hogs and somebody had to wrap and somebody who doesn't even attend this church made chicken that I still haven't called and said thank you, but made chicken that just overshadowed the hot dogs, if you know what I mean. Amen. It was delicious. All right? In other words, we, all, we all almost allocate service to what we do. Does that make sense? Would you, I, I, you know, I'm not demanding you agree, but do you understand how we are able to rationalize and how we are able to compartmentalize? When it comes to service in the kingdom, it's what I do on Sunday. 
Let me, let me read to you 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says this, Who has saved us, speaking of Jesus, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but in his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, before time began. Just four simple words there, really. He, he, he saved us, called us for his purpose, his grace. So he saved us, called us, we have a purpose, his purpose, his grace. Now, I just want you to think about this in terms of our calling, because if you're saved, we've got a calling. And so with that a lot, don't we? What's, what's my calling? I'm really praying about my calling. What's my purpose? I don't know what my purpose in life is. I'm, I'm really praying, you know, God, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? I love Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Church and Purpose Driven Life. And I know it's been out for years, but I love when we start asking purpose. One of the first things he says in his book is, it's not about you. So when we start saying, what's my purpose, Lord? Well, first of all, it's not about you. <laughs> but Lord, it, let me just reiterate, it's not about you. It's my purpose for you. So we have this, but it's his purpose. We, so we should be asking, Lord, what is your purpose for me? What is it, what is it that you have purposed me for? And I want to look at those two things, because if you look at the calling, I I want you to look at it just from this perspective a few minutes this morning. And we're talking about service. When you look at your calling, you're saved, but when God calls you, the calling is what puts in your hand. The calling is what God puts in your hand. The purpose is what God puts in your hand. So, the, so there's, all, there's things in our lives that, that we're, we're doing, feel like we're doing much, because in our heart, there's this divine pull to do something great for God, but they, they sort of conflict with each other. Because the, the doing part looks like this, going to work tomorrow. You know, what's, what's that in your hand? Well, I've got it. Um, what's getting ready to change for many, many people is, I've got children at home homeschooling now, and, and teachers are really working from another location to teach children while parents are trying to corral cats, I'm sorry, children, <laughs> to, to be on their careers, to be virtual. And how many can only imagine that all the different challenges that are going to be involved in that? I mean, we certainly understand. So when someone says, what's God put in your hand? Chaos? Confusion? In our heart, our destiny says, we want our children to be saved. We want our children to know God. We want our children to be whole. We want our children. So there's like, this like two different worlds exist in that same conversation, right? But what he, what he shows us and what he wants us to understand is it's really not two different worlds. We make it two different worlds. We look at, we look at our call as when we talk about being in our hands, we look at our calling, if we keep things separated, church and the world, if you will, we look at our calling as what we do. I'm called to teach. So we, we teach a class on Sundays. Or we lead a grace group. Nothing wrong with that. That's powerful. 
or I'm, I'm called, you know, I found out when I was going through flow that I have the gift of hospitality. So I let them have a grace group at my house. That's how I, or I help out in the cafe when it was open. Or I help out as an usher, making sense? And we think of our calling as that thing that we do on Sunday rather than the thing that we can almost think is mundane that's in our hand. We, we have a tendency to look at what we do outside our life, outside our life in the, as being unspiritual. Now, I'm not trying to change your minds on any of this. You may, we may be on the same page. Just pray for them. But does it make sense that we have a tendency to be already thinking about Monday and Tuesday as, oh, Lord, please, I need a signal that's got to last me. Right, Lord, this is a great gas station. Fill me up because i got to go all week long because i got to work and I've got to go. Th- make sense? And see, we, we, we keep compartmentalizing. We keep separating those things. And God has a, a way of trying to get our attention to, to just understand that those everyday natural lives that we live are exactly what he's called us to. It's not just about coming to church that he wants us to understand. First of all, it's all about him. It's not about us. It's about him. What he's put in your hand, your job, your work, your profession, that's all about giving him glory. And it's more than just understanding it's a gift from God, so, you know, grin and bear it and act like you're enjoying work tomorrow. It's more than that. Because we know you have tough days. We know you have tough days. We know that work can be challenging. But, but what if you also understand that what God has put in your hand, so use at work. So let's just, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but let's just think about it this way. I have the gift of teaching, so I need to be teaching a class. I, I just work this kind of job during the week. What if you knew that teaching was more than standing in front of a class? It might be helping someone understand how the elevator door opens. Hello? Now, you might not get famous with that one. But if you're the nicest person in the elevator and someone's struggling, you say, let me help you. If you push this button, now don't do it to everybody. Become annoying. But if, if you just, because that gift of teaching wants to show people how to get things done. Hello? I'm gonna, I know I'm going to get in trouble here, but we've got, we've got a lot of you in this room that are powerful teachers, gifted teachers. But if you operated by the, I've got the gift of teaching, so I'm only going to use it on Sundays, you're missing it. So, so for instance, um, Dr. Joe Bucci teaches a class here every morning, uh, every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. It goes out live stream. But guess what he does tomorrow? Tomorrow, nothing, I don't think. Honeydew list. <clears throat> also the chair of the business department at Regent University. Why? Not because he's like, well, you know, teaching's my minute, but I got to have a job. No, he understands that more, more ministry is done through business leaders than pastors on Sunday because they're, they're at work five days a week doing business with people. And, and if he can teach them to do business from a kingdom perspective, now that God is going out in ways 
sometimes the greatest messages you'll ever hear don't even use the word Bible. Don't even use the word Jesus because the power of the Holy Spirit is going through, and, and I hope I'm making sense. So you, you can have gifts. You can have the gift of healing. Now, I, I'm, I'm very serious about this, the gift of healing. And if you came out of the church I came out of many, many years ago, if you had the gift of healing, it operated once a week at the end of the service. And, and, and pastor, you better turn me loose. Or usually it might just be the pastor. And line everybody up. And if you needed healing, that's a, that was your chance. Because you weren't going to get it till next Sunday. There was only one chance a week, Sunday. Do you see how we've been missing it? It was only one chance, and it was at the crusade once a year. It was only, because we, and I'm not against prayer lines, you know, get arrested for having one right now. We don't want to offend anybody and touch everybody. But what if you looked at healing from this perspective? Tomorrow when you go to work and you have the gift of healing, yeah, pray for every, be an intercessor. Pray for everybody in the office. But when you see somebody hurting, well, I'd like to go over and say, hey, let's talk. How's everything going? And just through a conversation, you bring healing to that person. I'm, I'm talking about Joseph next week, but I just want to give us a little head start. Sometimes it's pride that stops us. Because, see, you can't go to work, and after you've talked to that person and brought them emotional healing, you can't stand up and say, who's next? Hallelujah. Who's next? Because then you get the glory. And it's about God getting the glory. Why? Because it's about him. It's got to be about him. Think about it in this way. You, you've, got, you've got a gift of, of giving, or you've got a gift of administration. If the only time you used your gifts was at church on Sunday, um, you might help with the ushers, you might help with the organization, and please don't get wrong. Church needs help. Okay, look at the pastor, all right? Church needs a lot of help, folks, all right? But now listen. What, what if the only time you served in that arena was here? Think of all the opportunities you're missing tomorrow to help organize the office, to help or Well, that's not my position. I don't get paid for that. Do you deserve to get paid what you're getting paid? Okay. So now let's not, let's go up ever again, okay? Now here, here's what I'm asking: What would it look like if even it wasn't your job, you were trying to help somebody get organized? You tried to. What if you were a banker? Remember years ago, when you were only serious about ministry if you were willing to leave career and go into full time ministry. You know, if a banker really loved Jesus, he'd leave his job at the bank and start a church and be a crazy man. Now, now don't get me wrong. If God, I'm, I'm sure you could point at people who have made major steps. They were in a career or they made a career move, and it was a God thing. But how many people do you know that they're not using what's right in hand right now? They're just pursuing what they think they want to be. And, and they're saying, you know, I really... You know, this is what God's given me, but it's not worth a whole lot. This is what God has blessed me with, 
but it just doesn't, you know, it's, it's not as known as what he does or what she does. And I want to be known. I want people to know that God is using me. And, and listen, even that, to an extent, God put in you. It probably matches your gift, but if you don't put it under the will of the Holy Spirit, it's called narcissism. That's why you crucify the flesh. Because the, the flesh can rise up quick. They're like weeds. They grow fast. And, and am I making any sense? So we find ourselves competing with each other, and the Bible tells comparison is foolishness. But we see others, and we want to we be like them. And so we, we, we have something that God's given us. It's right here. We, we've got it. This is who we are, but we don't like it. So we don't use it. And we, we buy at work, or we try to get by. And, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just talking. You ever, you ever think about why you're so miserable about everything? I mean, you look at your life, and you just absolutely don't like any of it. Can I tell you why? And this is going to sound so simple. It's, you know, I'm not trying to just make it like if you just crucify the flesh. Listen, I've got to practice everything I preach. But it's when I look at what God has blessed me with and I say, I don't like that. I want that. And the problem with that is, you know why what he's put in your hand, you know why we have a hard time with it? Because it's you. And if you don't like yourself, you're not going to like anybody. That's why the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Love yourself. Love how God has created you. But I don't, they never know your name. You don't want them to know your name. Believe me. Remember the first time Diane and I uh, planted a church, Martin, West Virginia. And all the advice I got was this. A lot of advice, but here's what they said. Fly under the radar as long as you can. And I was like, that does not sound like a marketing strategy to me. But here's what he was saying. Don't be that when you're not all that, because they will see that you're not all that. And you will wish you hadn't started all that. Did you get all um, flying under the radar doesn't mean hiding out from your gifts and talents. It means be who you are. Never know your name, but they'll see the works of God at work in your life. What, what could that look like? It all depends on how you're gifted. You, if you're a behind-the-scenes person here in the church, there's a lot of stuff you never see done. But at your jobs, there are things that happen every day that you're just like, some of us just assume that it happens by itself, but they don't. Things have to happen. Our things don't get done. Everybody does their part. Can you imagine what it would look like as we, as the servants of the Most High, we've been saved, we've been healed, we've been set free, we're following Christ, he equips us, he empowers us. Why? So we can attend church and worship. That, that's, a, that's a discipline that we practice because we love him. It's so when, when we leave here this week, we, we can serve at home. We can serve at school. We can serve wherever we are this week. We can serve in the restaurant this afternoon if you can get in. We can serve each other. Your careers are opportunities to serve. Now, now I say that, I mentioned the bank, not leaving the bank to stay 
in the bank. Uh, if God is telling somebody to do something and they, and, they, and they talk and get counsel and make those decisions, that's, that's not what I'm about. I'm talking about thinking that you're only used of God if you leave your job and just go do something in the local church. God can call you to be in ministry. We talked about this several weeks. We're all full-time ministers. We're all full ministers, which means you should be using your gifts and talents all week long. We should be serving people all week. Am I making any sense? I know I've got to hurry and move through this, but you'll be happy to know that I'm almost done. Exodus chapter 3, Moses is standing at this burning bush. God comes to him and says, I've rise up my children. I've heard the cries of my children. Now, I just want to start this by saying, whatever God calls you to, he's already seen it. God is never going to show up to you and say, hey, listen, there's something going on. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but if you'll go check and then let me know, and we'll, we'll decide what needs to happen. God's not, God sees. God heard the cry of his children. He sees the situation they're in. And he tells Moses, I want you to go and lead them out. Moses has a lot of excuses, and I'm not going to go down all of them. You, you could read Exodus chapter 3, and it's there, and many of you know the story. One of the first things he says is, well, why are you? You know, because Moses, I'm sure the scripture doesn't tell us here, but I'm sure he was reviewing his history in Egypt. He was still a wanted man, I'm sure. He had killed someone. Didn't have a good past. Anybody here don't have a great past? Your past is a little scared. Come on. We already know, okay? Just Google your name, folks. You'll be shocked. Here's, here's what happened. Um, God approaches him and says, listen, I want you to go. God, I'm, I'm not, uh, why me? But then who should I tell them has sent me? You know God's response there. I am has sent you. That's just one more way of saying God's saying to us, you're not going to have any good excuses. I am. You tell them I am is sending you. But I'm not eloquent. I, I don't know how to speak well. I don't know how to, and see, we do all that because usually what God in our hands is not fully developed. Usually what's put in our hands is not fully developed. That's why what's in our hands, we have a tendency to look at someone else who's operated in a more developed stage, and we're like, I don't want this, I want that. I, I don't, I don't want to learn how to play baseball. I just want to be the third baseman overnight. Okay, and just true confessions for a second. When I was younger, living in New Jersey, first year of Little League, so the coach said, what position do you want to play? I said, third base. Well, I didn't know you needed to be a gunslinger to play third base because that ball comes quick. And I know Andrea played third base in college softball. She's a gunslinger. Because not only do you have to be quick, you have to be able to fire the ball over to first. And so it took about two or three of the coaches to say, come here. You're playing in center field. Why? Because in center field, you have to be a sniper. <laughs> you can see it a long way coming. All right? And you have plenty of time to get there. Now, listen, plus the fact that if you hit the ball in the outfield, you need to have some speed. 
Now, what I realized is I had some raw, right here in my hand, talent, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to play there. And I thank God, coach, who said, yeah, we're not doing that. You're not playing third because no, nobody's dying on my watch. All right? You're going to play center field. And after two years of Little League, and this is not about me, after two years of Little League, I was cutting the grass in my, in my yard one day, and a car pulled up in our driveway, scared the death out of me. And a man jumped out of his car, and he said, I want you to know that you are the best center fielder in New Jersey. And I was like, yeah, I knew that. Now, 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 look, we only have four teams. So we're not, it's a stretch, I know, but we're not talking about a whole lot of competition. But here's my point. When you let God put you where God puts you, you're going to do a whole lot better than where you think you want to be. Now, now, I say that because so many times we find ourselves wrapped up in comparison. And I know I've already talked about this. I, I just wanted to sink in because the reality is Moses was trying to get out of something that God had put him in. And it gets to the point, and this is where I'm going, finally Moses said, I can't do And here's what God says. What's that in your hand? And I'm really not going to talk about Moses anymore. Because really, he's asking you the same question this morning. If you've been saved, if he's healed you, or even still in the process of bringing you through cold times, or, or maybe you've been set free, or maybe there's some stuff that God is still trying to wrestle and, and, and work in you, because he who began a good work in you will complete it. There's a constant work in you. Listen, guys, don't ever think you're, you're just done because you're always being worked on. Don't ever think you've gone too far because the Holy Spirit's always tapping you on the shoulder. Don't ever think, man, you know, I'm just not good enough. You've never been good enough. Just wanted to encourage you. You've never been good enough. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And when the Holy Spirit's continuing working on you, all that is is you're a continual. We are set. We are children of God. But there's stuff in our lives that we're constantly having to lay down. And that the, the paint thinner is constantly at work, washing those layers of junk away. Now, I, I say that because we can't give up when God's doing a work in us. He sets us free. So as followers of Christ, he can equip us. And as followers of Christ, he can empower us. Why? He wants us serving. He wants you to know that what he's put in your hand, it, it may be that, that the job you're at right, that you're, you're just dying to get out of, but you don't understand, just like Moses was dying to get out of his, God put him there on purpose. It, it, it just could be that where you are right now, God's using you to set people free that you may not even ever understand, but you need to start taking it and understanding that God's using you in ways that you cannot believe. I met with, uh, Diane and I met with some business leaders this last week. <clears throat> and the whole conversation we've been having with these leaders is they're, they're starting an entire ministry, but not calling it ministry. Because most of their donors, and they said they've got one donor, they want to build an orphanage in Peru. And there's another group we're working with that wants to build a major orphanage and center in uh, Haiti. And I said, well, so what? What am I, what are we talking about? Well, we want you to do all the ministry training and teaching and development. And I'm like, I just thought, I thought you said these guys were Jewish. 
You know, what, what are we talking about here? And here, here's, here's, what, here's what's happening. Because, see, God, God knows exactly what he's doing, guys. This isn't um, this, this business leaders that we were meeting with, them quitting their jobs and going into the orphanage business. They're not quitting their jobs. They're working their jobs. They're working all their connections. Why? I'm sure if they quit their job, moved to Haiti, they could start uh, an orphanage, but then they'd have to have people travel around to a bunch of churches saying, please, let's help this orphanage in Haiti. And we would give money to the orphanage in Haiti. Everybody know what I'm saying? Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. But what if, what if, because they're connected with other business leaders, um, the way to build the orphanage, because they said this, you know, before you have an orphanage, they got to be alive. And people in Haiti are dying from infection because of abscess tooth. He says, so the first thing these Jewish guys want to build is a Because if you build a clinic and you start bringing help to a village, then we'll just, you can come in and sneak in the back door and we'll give you to start training pastors. And we'll plant churches. And they won't care. Same thing in Peru. Why? Because we've got to get away from the mindset that we're really going to do ministry. I've got to sell everything and move here and start a church. Or I've got to quit my job and do this. No, God's got you exactly where he's you on purpose. God's got you exactly where he wants you because of what's in your hand. The gifts and the callings that place in your life are without repentance, meaning God's not going to change his mind. So if there's something about you that you just don't like, good luck. God doesn't change you know, I, I knew, I've known from a very young age, I've just fought it as long as I could, that I was called to preach. Because preaching, quite honestly, is a communication. That's all it is. But, but it's God's word, and, and, I, and I, I, I've got a long way to go, but I've had to really work hard just to get here. could come natural for me. I've had that initial gift, but it was easier for me just to sing than it was to preach. And Diane can tell you that, you know, that's how I ran from preaching for a long time. I just sang. Sing. I remember my first revival. It was 13 songs. Nights in a row. <laughs> Same 13 songs, three nights in a row. And he's like, um, are you going to say anything anyway? All I do is sing, man. Well, you've got to start preaching at some point. I knew it. I knew what God was calling me to do, but I was running. Why? Because I just didn't want, I just didn't want that. I hope I'm making sense. Three quick points. Quick. Ready? We need a revelation of who we are in Christ. We need a revelation of who we are in Jesus Christ. You see, if, if I think I'm in just from, by myself, if I think this is all about me, I'm done. But when I know it's about what his purposes are in my life, and I don't have to compare myself to anyone else. I don't have to measure up to anyone else. This isn't about he's better, they're better, their church is bigger. Listen, no church is bigger right now. You know, everybody's operating at different levels of church right now. So it's, not, it's, it's never been about size. It's are you using what's in your hand? Are you touching the lives around you with what's in And see, when it's about Christ, uh, how many... Uh, maybe you don't might not watch this show, but it's it's called uh, America's Got Talent. And there's one judge on there, Simon Cowell. 
he's got, well, he's gotten really better, actually. Because if you go back a few years when he was the coach or one of the coaches on America's Idol, American Island, during all the tryouts for that, would come out and they would sing. And I can remember the one specific person, his first comment was, Do you, did you take voice lessons? And they said, yes, get your money back. And I thought, whoa, that's pretty steep. That's pretty steep right there. And it's bad someone be that humiliated on national television. But listen, can I just say this? He was right. He was right. Because, see, a lot of us, um, we, we want to do things and be things. We want to be that third baseman when God's called you to be a center fielder. We, we want to be the out front person when God's called you to be a behind-the-scenes person. Um, we we want to be, we be the, the hand, but God's called you to be the heart. Okay? But when you understand that what Jesus Christ is doing and what Jesus Christ has done in you, he has saved us, he's healed us, he's set us. We're following him, his example. He's, in, he's um, equipping us empowering us. Why? So he can use us. But then secondly, we need a new revelation of the church, of who the church is. The church is not these four walls. You are the church. We've, we've learned very, very importantly this last eight months the importance of being the church, not having church. Again, having church, I'm not trying to emphasize this too much this morning, but having services Coming together corporately, that's a discipline of worship. And we're, we're asked to come. The Bible tells us, come together. We come together to worship, to encourage one another. Yes, to minister to one another. But, but we don't live here 24-7, seven, seven days a week. You've got homes. You've got places of business. You've got places that you work. And it's in those places that he wants us to serve. Does that make sense? He wants us to serve. So what, what's in your hand? What is that that's in your hand that he can use where you and, and then lastly, very quickly, we need a, a new revelation of the cause of Jesus Christ. I believe it was John 18. To ask the question, are you the king? And his response was simply this. You have said it, right? I came for this cause. This is why I came. I believe John 12, he says it like this, speaking of the cross, this is the cause that I came for. See, Jesus always knew why he had come. He knew that he had come to die on a cross to set us free so we could be saved, healed, set free, equipped, empowered, as he told us in Acts chapter 1, wait, you shall receive power. After that, you are my witnesses. You, you will be my examples everywhere. Now, now, why is this important? Because dreams and our visions without a cause mean nothing. What, what cause are you talking about? Purpose. His purpose. You see, now, when, when I... And, Ingrid, if you'll please come, and let's, let's all stand together. Now, here's what happens when operating out of serving because there's a cause. What does that look like?
I will treat people differently. Because um, as we've seen in our culture, all over the news, all over the media, um, and I, I really didn't hit on this point this morning, but those of you that might be familiar with the, the seven mountain mandate and the seven mountains of culture are the seven spheres of culture. In other words, culture has some type of religion, have some type of family dynamic, has some type of business model that they operate by. They have some type of entertainment. They have some type of media that they watch, the news. They, they have some type of um, arts, and I think I mentioned arts and entertainment. So all these seven spheres are operating. And mistakenly, in the last few years, we've just retitled the religion mountain and called it church. That's a mistake. The religious mountain is not the church mountain. It's a religion mountain. This is not a religion. It's a relationship. When Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, what he was saying is, I'm going to build a church a called out ones that will be the body of Christ that don't just on a mountain to worship on Sunday. And then we all leave our mountains and go do life throughout the week and then run back to the mountain on Sunday. No, he's saying, when I call you to service, it's because every one of you and everyone in this room, we've got all those mountains covered. We've got family covered. And listen, I know it may look very dysfunctional, but he who began a good work in you is going to complete it. It may look very broken, but by his stripes we are healed. It may look insurmountable family, but God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You may be working and operating in the business mountain and in the climate that we're living in, you, you think the business is going underwater. You don't think you're going to be able to make it. You don't even know how to pay the bills. You don't even know how to pay attention. But God is saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge, He will direct your paths. You're saying, Pastor, we, we work in this field, or we work in this field, or we work in the field of education. I'm telling you, God is saying, what's that in your hand? Be faithful to that, and I'll fulfill the purpose. Faithful to what I've given you. You be faithful. Don't worry about, well, I'm, I'm just holding out for the right time. Now is the time. Being faithful with what God has given you and allowing him to fulfill the purposes in your life. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Or there are people here today that they would not even think about serving because there are still things in their life that, that keep them down or, or, or make them feel disqualified. The hurts, the struggles here. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, once again, you give us a fresh, fresh revelation of who we are in you. <laughs> You've called the church to be and what the cause is. Father, when I really understand the cause... Now I'm willing to give my life away. You've not called us to die on a cross, but you have called us to die to self and to take up us and follow you. So Father, right now, Lord, I pray that we all, and all the things you've placed in our hands may be very different from one another, not to compare.
but to take what you've given us, to be faithful, to use it this week. And Lord, I pray that there be healings that take place this week, that people's lives be uh, moving to a new level this week because individuals here have decided, you know, my gifts and talents aren't just for one day a week. I'm going to bless somebody this week. I'm going to I'm going to touch somebody's life this week. I'm going to pray for someone this week. I'm going to intercede for someone this week. I'm an organizer. I'm going to help someone get their desk straight this week. Lord, it may seem so insignificant, but I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you allow us to see breakthroughs in our culture. Relationships that we think are impossible. But what they need to see is God in the midst of it. Not gathering on a mountain, but in the middle of all the others. In Jesus' name, amen.